Hello, and welcome to 621 Art Gallery's podcast. I did it for art from our warehouse to the world. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Sophia. I'm a student at Florida State University, and I'm currently the director's assistant here at 621 Gallery. And my name is Aaron Ellis. I'm a recent PhD from FSU and have been involved with 621 as simple gallery goer, um, as a resident in the back studio, and also as an event organizer. And we will be your hosts for today's episode. 621 is a nonprofit and entirely volunteer run. We do this work for free for the love of art. Thus, our gallery slogan and podcast title, I Did It For Art. In our podcast, we strive to fulfill 621's official mission, which is to expose people to the creative process, to platform significant conversations around our diverse communities, and to support artists' careers. In this episode, we present an introduction to the history of 61 Gallery and the Railroad Square Art District. We will take an introspective look into the gallery to define who we are, what we do, and where we've come from, to share our values and history with our community and listeners. As we approach our 40th year in existence, we thought this would be a perfect opportunity to reflect on the beginnings of 621 and the Railroad Square Art District. This episode will include some excerpts from interviews conducted about 10 years ago for our 30th anniversary, as well as a more recent interview with former gallery co-director and artist Deborah Legrasse. There is so much for us to talk about when it comes to our history, programming, exhibitions, and of course, our connection with the local art community here in Tallahassee. So let's get into it. Uh, but before we do, uh, if you have any personal anecdotes you'd like to share about 621, please reach out to us via email at 621iditfortart at gmail.com. We would love to hear your stories, and so would our listeners. Your voice is important to us. So for now, sit back while we take you through a brief history of how it all started right here in Railroad Square. You've heard of the Golden Horn of Plenty, traditional symbol of prosperity and of good things bestowed upon mankind. Well, these are the wheels which carry the Horn of Plenty, wheels which take it to the places where the good things abound and bring it back full and overflowing. Today, Railroad Square is considered to be the arts, culture, and entertainment district of Tallahassee, Florida, and it is home to over 70 small businesses some of which are art galleries and studios, uh, vintage and antique stores, a nonprofit theater. Shout out to Mickey Faust. Absolutely, uh, a cult cinema, uh, a cafe, a square mug, um, and so much more. Aaron, what are some of your personal favorite places to go in Railroad Square? Well, one of my personal favorite places to go in Railroad Square is actually that random hallway <laughs> in the <laughs> I guess it's the northwest, the inner northwest corner of the square. There's a hallway by the makerspace that um, has all these uh, paintings in neon on the walls against black. And they're from like different cities. Like there's one from Cairo, one from Paris. And they have, you know, like the pyramids and like the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. You know, they have like these emblematic um, kind of tableau uh, from different parts of the world. It's one of my favorite places in the square. What about you? One of my favorite things to do in the square is to simply just walk around. There are so many like little nooks and crannies, like you were mentioning the hallway, 
there's so many things to see. There's sculptures, there's artist studios. Um, one of my favorite memories was actually back in February when I was exploring the square with my dad. We came across Leon Hicks as he was entering his studio and he invited us to come inside. He was really welcoming. He showed us his work and it was really nice to make that personal connection. And I think a lot of the artists who have studios in the square, if you're ever interested in seeing what they're up to, I'm sure that many of them would be more than happy to have people come into their space and see what they're working on. Yeah. Yeah. And another aspect to that, that you're kind of getting at also is that people have like their intimate space in Railroad Square that they do open up and share from time to time, but it's also like their workshop, you know, it's where they, um, you know, pour their heart into their work. Um, so yeah, it has a really interesting uh, feeling for that reason that people are there because they want to be and because they're, because their art lives there, you know, and because their art is something about what they're living for, what they, what they live to do. Mm -hmm. Which brings me right back to Mickey Faust. I mean, um, the passion and the investment of energy of people's, you know, whole selves really, I think makes Mickey Faust a special place for me. I've done some work uh, with Mickey Faust over the years, super lucky to have done so and to have seen how uh, beautifully everything can come together when people really pour themselves into community-based work. Mm -hmm. And the location of it makes it a really um, important place too and brings a lot of different folks together. Totally. Another one of my favorites, which you mentioned earlier, was Square Mug. Yeah. Yeah. And all within the stone's throw from FSU, from downtown and the Capitol, from FAMU. Mm -hmm. Gain Street. Yeah, bridges the divide between what people sometimes refer to in Tallahassee as both sides of the track. Mm -hmm. And that brings us back to the history of Railroad Square. Absolutely. Railroad Square is located between FSU and FAMU, and the square provides a place where people from both sides of the track in this historically divided city can meet, create, eat, and see art together. But of course, it wasn't always this gathering place. It wasn't always an art park. Uh, in fact, the foundations of the square were built upon the McDonnell Lumber Company's sawmills and open-sided lumber sheds, which were constructed in 1941 during the Second World War. The convenience of the location then meant that it was just adjacent to the Tallahassee Railroad Station, which made shipping costs of lumber more affordable. The 621 Gallery building itself was actually a sawmill which, if you've ever been to the gallery, isn't hard to imagine. <laughs> true, true. Super tall ceilings. Yeah. I don't even know how tall. It's literally a warehouse with garage doors, high ceilings, the concrete floors. Tons of space for dust to get kicked up. Um, <laughs> or art to get, you know, hung up. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't until um, 1964 that this 10-acre McDonnell Lumber Company property came under the ownership of William J. Boynton Jr. and his partner, Joe Walthall, and they renamed it the Downtown Industrial Park. At this time, the warehouses located within the park were mainly being used as storage facilities. There were a few commercial businesses present, but many described the scene as one down with not much to see, and it certainly was no art district. 
1976, Nan Boynton, daughter of uh, William J. Boynton Jr., took over management of the downtown industrial park. But she had a much different vision for the property than that of her father. Eventually, she took ownership and renamed it Railroad Square Art Park, which is what we know it as today. When talking about the history of 61 Gallery and Railroad Square, it's important to acknowledge that none of this would have come to fruition without the vision of the late Nan Boynton. Nan Boynton was a founding force of 621 Gallery and the reason that the square persists and is still considered a hub of culture and art today. Here at 621, we have a gallery space separated from the main floor, named in honor of Nan and the incredible support that she gave the artists in this community. She thought, well, if I could just make it an art community, it could be something more than just a bunch of warehouses. It had been really neglected. It was pretty run down. Um, the problem was that its heyday was back in the 30s when the 621 building was a, was a sawmill. When she inherited it, it was like just people doing storage and a few things like that. There were just empty spaces. And so she started dividing them up and, and renting to artists. The problem is the artists needed place to show. And they started getting together and having, uh, you know, uh, having a good time together. And uh, they said, well, let's have some shows. So Nan Boynton would always have someplace empty. And you know, she would always have something that, a space that she couldn't rent. And one of the hardest places to rent was the space where 621 is now. She just couldn't rent it. It was empty a lot. So um, the artist said, let's have some shows there. Problem is the walls were awful, in and out. The lighting was terrible. And there were no facilities. I mean, the bathroom was like derelict and things like that. So, so um, it was all volunteer help that, that it just started working on it. You just heard a snippet of an interview with former 621 board member, Ray Burgraff, conducted about 10 years ago for the 30th anniversary of the gallery. Ray Burgraff's recollections of 621's origins are connected to 621's ongoing legacy, community-based volunteerism. Even today, 621 is entirely volunteer run and serves as a gathering place for artists from Railroad Square and the greater Tallahassee community. Ruth Wharton, another influential member of the 621 family, was also able to speak on Nan's dedication to the gallery in her interview from the 30th anniversary series. She pretty much donated the space to artists to take it on as they wanted to, uh, to produce shows. It was kind of like, here's a space, you want to do something, go ahead. But then finally, uh, about the time that I started working with her was when um, she realized that it needed to be uh, an actual business entity. And, and she contacted a lawyer, did all the legal documents to get it formed as, a, as an organization, and also kept donating the space. And for many years donated the, uh, I think it was $500 a month to the uh, director's salary. And that was, that's, that was what uh, 621 operated on for a while until it had other members and other, other donations and fundraisers. But uh, she loved the, uh, the opening. Say, I mean, she just thought that, that 621 was the best thing that she had ever created, I think. 
listen to both Ray and Ruth's full interviews, as well as many others, check out their 30th anniversary videos on 621's YouTube channel. Although 621 officially incorporated in 1991, it was a venue for the arts long before then. We consider 621's birth year to be 1981, when it was established, with the help of Nan Boynton, as a gallery space for artists within Railroad Square to showcase their works to the outside community. Literary readings, musical events, and other performances were common in the space back in the early 80s. Deborah Legrasse, former co-director and an artist, was instrumental in establishing 621 as a performance venue, as she herself performed many times in the space. I recently had a conversation with Deborah and current 621 director Lauren Baker, and we asked Deborah to describe what that experience was like in the early 80s. We would make flyers and post flyers and we would send out mailers and we would do everything we could to just say, hey, you know, we're doing this. I never had an, an audience that was that quite that big, though. You know, it was they were small and it was mostly like. I think at the time I was teaching at FSU, so it would have been students and people from the park and other artists that, I mean, I don't even know that people knew what art performance was. The tradition of performance art lives on at 621 today, through dance especially. I know the first uh, project that you and I collaborated on at the gallery, Sophia, was with Raphael from the MFA program in the School of Dance, Raphael Tillery. Mm -hmm. and Sheila Golobrotko, who did a wonderful collaboration with you <laughs> mm -hmm. um, with movable fashion and dance among the vanishing coral reefs um, in 3D. Would you call Sheila's exhibition installation art? Yeah, I would think so. She built this system where she was hanging all these prints from the ceiling people were actually able to go inside of it, which was really cool. And some of the dancers actually were dancing and moving uh, with the prints that were hanging. So people really loved that. Yeah, and the move to put the prints onto actual clothing that moving bodies in the space would, would wear, which is what you collaborated with Raphael on. Mm -hmm. And actually that was um, Shayla's idea to put the images of her work onto the clothing. Um, so thank you, Shayla, if you're listening. <laughs> and Raphael. Raphael, yes. And all the dancers, you were all amazing, and the models that helped assist in that event. And thank you, Aaron. Awesome times. But other, all kinds of dance events have been uh, going on at the gallery over the years. I mean, I remember, um, you know, the capstones of, sen of senior theses, BFA theses were shown in the gallery, and... MA capstones and uh, MFAs doing experimental projects um, in the annex as well as in the main gallery. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's um, been a strong tradition over the last few years. Yeah, and another event that 621 hosts, which has always been really successful, is the hip hop showcases, which aren't necessarily dance performances, but they're musical performances and they're organized by Submersive Sounds an organization here in Tallahassee. And it's really a night where local artists, a lot of them are rappers, come and perform, and there's always a huge turnout and people have a really good time. And sometimes break dancers, although not every time. Yes. 
But yeah, uh, Dr. Lisa, who teaches hip hop sociology, has been a big part of that and bringing submersive sounds to the gallery, which has been awesome and uh, has sort of reemerged uh, as a more regular occurrence at 621, which has been really exciting. And we look forward to more of that, especially because, and this I think speaks to a little bit about 621's mission, is that uh, Submersive Sounds really tries to showcase uh, hip hop artists that are not on stages already everywhere, you know, hip hop artists that are coming into their own um, or who started there and want to come back and support that scene. So I think that that speaks very well to 621's mission of platforming local artists and platforming significant cultural events uh, and exhibitions that are not getting airtime otherwise. Deborah mentioned how at the time performance art was a relatively new concept for a lot of people. And here's Lauren's take on that. Educating the public and expanding people's minds trying to, you know, give people this uh, concept of what art can be and what it can do and the impacts that it can have on people. And it's very inspiring to me to see things like that or, or hear that that just was the beginning. And, and we still have this unique voice today of uh, trying to start conversations and spark interest through the concepts of art. One of 621 and Railroad Square's most notable events is the First Friday Art Walk. Thousands of people roam the square visiting businesses, studios, shops, and food trucks. For 621 First Friday is the opening night of our new exhibitions, which under our usual scheduling change monthly. But First Friday wasn't always such a widely popular event. Deborah also spoke from firsthand experience about how much time it took for First Friday to really take off and turn into the large-scale event many of us know it to be. She said it took many years for it to really gain momentum. I think the biggest problems um, at the time in the 80s, um, certainly even in the early 80s, I just say the whole 80s, was that Tallahassee was very segregated and Gain Street was mm -hmm. the, the street that sort of divided Tallahassee and a lot of people felt uncomfortable going, crossing Gain Street and sort of going on the south side and it showed in the 90s, it just got really, really, really packed for First Friday, and it was, it was great. But when we were doing it, it was hard to get people to cross Gain Street and come to the gallery. Um, we didn't have anything like First Friday. We did not have that. Um, there just, it just wasn't a place to go. It was a place to go if you were either an artist or a patron of the arts. In recent years, First Friday began attracting thousands of visitors to the square every month. And I think it's interesting because we really get a lot of people in there for the monthly exhibition opening. Uh, it'd be interesting to contrast that night with the night before, the first Thursday of the month, mm -hmm. or sometimes the last Thursday of the month if First Friday is on the first of the month. But yeah, the soft openings on the first Thursday are really something else. Yeah, the soft openings, in my opinion, are really underrated. They're probably one of my favorite events, recurring events that 621 does. And it's really just an opportunity for people to hear about the work that's being exhibited from the artist's perspective. You get to hear the artist talk about what inspires them, what their process is, and how they hope to translate whatever concepts or issues into art. 
Yeah, it's really fantastic. I mean, it gives me, it's, I can't even count how many times it's given me a whole new perspective and appreciation for the artwork that I was looking at. Even artwork that I thought was very interesting and very cool when I looked at it, I still got this added layer of perspective, not just from reading the, you know, artist statement and the description of the exhibition, um, which is important, but even to hear the artist uh, go beyond that and share their own experiences and their personal connections with their art, to me is just um, a great service that 61 and artists and residents um, give to the Tallahassee community is this opportunity to really engage with artists about the thing that they love to do the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think it's one thing to read the statement that the artist provides, but it's another thing to hear them talk about it and to engage with them. And I think the artists really appreciate that as well. When people yeah, have I questions and are interested in hearing more about what they have to say about their work. And I think that's a lasting contribution of art in general is that even when the facades are changing and the landscape is changing, then still we have at the core in a place like Railroad Square, a love of and a focus on the art that is so, it just animates us. It animates conversations about important things that we deal with every day. So even with passing time, I mean, a lot has changed in Railroad Square over the years, right? Mm -hmm. Businesses have come and gone, new buildings are being erected. And at 621, directors, artists, volunteers, and board members alike have all passed through our warehouse walls and gone beyond our gallery and out into the world. One thing has always stayed the same, though, and that's 621's mission to serve the community and expose it to new ideas and people. Today, our mission statement reads as follows. 621 Gallery exists to expose the creative process, to platform significant conversations around our diverse communities and support artists' careers. 621 is connecting our audience to shifting cultural landscapes and meaningful ideas to empower. We believe that artists are essential to the fabric of a community. We strive to steward, develop, and support their ideas as facilitators of examination, stimulation, and provocation. We believe in a community of individuals and realize their worth and agency within a greater context. We believe that we are filling a need by mediating conversation and empowering communities to grow. We believe in bringing meaningful programming into the capital by broadening audiences' exposure to new ideas and artists. We believe in transparency of governance, which does not discriminate, but instead creates understanding. While it is a struggle for everyone to maintain business as usual during this pandemic, we at 621 still strive to fulfill our mission, and that means connecting with you. One of the ways we are doing this is through our podcast. If you haven't done so already, check out our previous podcast episode where I interviewed artist Elton Burgest. Visit his website to find more information about his work. You can find all of our podcast episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and Anchor. Thank you to Deborah Legrasse for allowing us to interview you. Deborah is an artist with a background in drawing, painting, sculpture, and architecture. One of Deborah's sculptures, titled All Seeing Eye, can be seen in Railroad Square today. Be sure to visit her website for more information on her work. 
621 also recognizes artists Charles Hook, David Crook, and the FSU Sculpture Club for their work in transforming an empty warehouse into a gallery space back in the 1980s. Thanks to their hard work, 621 was able to become a center for the arts in our community. And stay tuned for more episodes. We are so excited to share all the amazing things happening behind the scenes here at the gallery, as well as the incredible work being done within our community and beyond. 621 scope ranges from local to international, and so will our podcast. So join the 621 family far and wide to connect with Tallahassee's premier contemporary art gallery. Thank you for tuning into this episode, and don't forget to do it for art. This podcast features people who have crossed paths with 621, spanning nearly four decades. Join us on this podcast journey, handing you over to 621 correspondents who report from studios, conduct interviews, and more. For 621's podcast, I Did It For Art, From Our Warehouse To The World. Original music by Maurizio Gomez.